Hello, my friends, and welcome again to the Bible Lab, the podcast where we explore major themes from every book of the Bible in order to see how each page points us to Jesus, who he is, and what he's done. I'm your host, Andy Wood. Thank you for joining me. This is going to be our eighth and final episode exploring the Gospel of John. So our eighth theme for consideration is this. John explained that just as the Father sent Jesus, Jesus sent out his followers. So without any exaggeration, God sent his son Jesus on the most important mission ever, to bring light to a dark world, to rescue and redeem God's sin cursed, broken world. And Jesus, as he has accomplished the mission on the cross, he turns in the Gospel of John and he sends out his followers to take news, the good news of his successful mission, to take it to the world. In John 20, 21, Jesus says to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Now, it's more than just the fact that the Father sent Jesus and Jesus sent us. There are so many links between the sending of Jesus by the Father and the sending of Jesus' disciples by Jesus himself. So just like Jesus, we are to teach people about God. John 18, 20, Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. Jesus is speaking here to Pilate. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. So Jesus publicly and boldly taught the people about who God actually was, and we are to do the same thing. That should be the mainstay of our ministry and our teaching as we are teaching people about God. Just like Jesus, we are to do works that take care of the physical and practical needs of others. John 14, 12, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. So Jesus met physical needs. Like we know that Jesus' ultimate mission was to meet our greatest need, which is the spiritual need that we have to be justified before a holy and righteous God. But Jesus also met practical needs. He fed people. He healed people. Jesus met practical needs, and he says that we're to do those same types of works in addition to gospel proclamation. Because if our proclamation isn't paired with demonstration, it's difficult for people to believe. Third, just like Jesus, we are to witness to others through both our words and our works. John 4.35, Jesus says, Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. So we are to be out busy doing the work of God in full confidence that as people see our works, as people hear our words, the Spirit of God will be bringing dead souls to life. Just like Jesus, we are going to be hated for our testimony. John 15, 18 through 19, Jesus says, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Do not be fooled, friends. If we live like Jesus, the world is going to treat us like they treated Jesus, and they killed Jesus. The world does not love the God who made it. The world does not love the God who pursued them. And the world can't get at God, but they can get at us, and they will. Just like Jesus, we are to dwell in unity with one another. Jesus prays the night before he's crucified. He asked the Father, he says, Please make it so that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And then verse 23 I and them and you and me, that they may, be, may become perfectly one. Again, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them, even as you love me. 
One of the most powerful testimonies that we can give to the world of the truth and power of the gospel is when people who were formerly enemies, when people who have every earthly reason to hate one another, love one another, and strive to outdo one another in showing honor, that is something the world can't ignore. Just like Jesus, we are to forgive others. John 20, 23, Jesus says, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Just like Jesus, we are to take care of the sheep. In John 21, 15 through 17, Jesus is reinstalling Peter as one of his apostles, as one of the leaders of the early church. And just like Peter had denied that he even knew Jesus three times, Jesus gives Peter three chances to say that he loves him. It says in verse 15, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Friends, if we love Jesus, just like it says in 1 John, if you say you love God, whom you haven't seen, but you don't love your brother, who you can see, then you don't actually love God. And so Jesus is saying to Simon and all of us, If you say you love me, love my people. We are to take care of the sheep. Whether you're called to be a pastor or not, you are a sheep. You're one of Jesus' flock. In Jesus' flock, we look out for one another and love one another. Now, this is a really big mission. It's an impossible mission from a human perspective. And so in John, we see two key pieces that Jesus gives us to complete the mission. And the first piece isn't a piece, it's a person. It's the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus promises that the Holy Spirit is going to stay with believers forever. John 20, 22, And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, friends, remember that in the Old Testament, I mean, the Holy Spirit is God, so he is eternal. He didn't begin to exist in the ministry of Jesus. He's always been present. He's always been God. But in the Old Testament, only certain people got the Holy Spirit to accomplish certain tasks, and then the Spirit would be taken away from them. But not so for us in the New Covenant. We get the Spirit forever. And as we go out and evangelize, we can be confident that it's the Spirit who's doing the work. We evangelize. We proclaim the Word of God. We demonstrate the Word of God. But it's the Spirit who's going to convict others of sin. John 16, 8, And when the Spirit comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And may I just put in, friends, this is a great opportunity for you to pray for your lost friends and family. And pray John 16, 8 for them. You you, you pray for someone and say, you know, let's just say your dad's name is Joe. Just use the most generic name imaginable. And if you pray for Joe, who's not a Christian, you can say, Lord, I pray that you would convict my dad, Joe, about his sin. Show them that what he is doing, how he is living, is not a personal choice. It, It is an offense against you. He is guilty before you. Lord, convict my dad, Joe, about righteousness specifically the righteousness of Christ and his need of righteousness. Convict my dad, Joe, that he's going to stand before you one day guilty and lacking righteousness. Convict him. Give him certainty that Jesus has the righteousness that he needs. And then third, convict my dad, Joe, about judgment. Lord, help my dad, Joe, understand that when he dies, he will stand before you and it will be too late. Help him believe what you say in your word about judgment and save my dad, Joe. Friends, it's so great to pray to God, to ask Him to do the things that He's already said He would do. This is how we turbocharge our prayer. We don't have to come up with something new. 
We simply take the words of God and say, Lord, you said you would do it, and I'm asking you to do it. So the first help we have to complete the mission is the Holy Spirit. The second help we're given is prayer. Just as the Father always heard Jesus' prayers, Jesus says, I'm going to hear your prayers. John 14, 12 through 14, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, when Jesus says these greater things, he doesn't mean, you know, it would be pretty amazing if you wanted a Ferrari and you just, you know, spoke a Ferrari into being. That's that's not the greater things he's speaking about. The greater things aren't about your selfish desires. The greater things are the accomplishment of the mission that God has given us. These prayers that we're to pray are prayers for God's glory. So how do you know if it's an appropriate thing for you to pray? Well, first off, I would just tell you guys, don't put so much pressure on yourself. We have a perfect Father. He loves us. He's more generous than we could possibly imagine. So it's okay to pray things that come into your mind as long as you're praying them with an open hand. If you want a job, a great job, it's okay to ask that. God may say no. He may give you a job that you don't particularly like, but that supports your family or you know, furthers the kingdom, and, and that's okay. So ask for things. We have a generous and kind Father, but here's a good grid for you to work it through. If you really want to know, is this something I should be praying for constantly? Some things when we pray for and we don't get them, that's God telling us, that's a no from me, right? <laughs> I'm not going to give you that. And, and it's okay to stop praying for those things. Other things, God doesn't give us immediately, and he wants us to keep praying. So how do I know the difference? Well, here's something you can kind of, a grid, you can work this through. First, believers are to pray for things that line up with the character of Jesus. So if we're asking for power to forgive someone who sinned against us, if we're asking for power to show patience against someone who's irritating us, if we're asking for power to have self-control to say no to sin, does that sound like Jesus' character? Yes. So ask for those things. And we can pray for things that line up with the desires of Jesus. Again, to go back to my imaginary dad, Joe, my dad's name is Gene and he loves Jesus, praise God. But my imaginary dad, Joe, does, does God want people to be saved? Of course he does. So pray and ask him, save Joe. Does God want the gospel to go out to all the world? Yes. So pray for missionaries, pray for the lost, pray for the unreached. Pray for the salvation of your neighbors. These are things that Jesus wants. Pray for more passion for prayer. Pray for more passion for Bible reading. Pray for more passion for evangelism. Pray for more passion for fasting. These are things that Jesus wants, so pray for them. And pray again and again and again. Beat down the doors of heaven. Keep asking. Give God no rest until he brings glory to the name of his son, Jesus. Friends, we are the ambassadors of God. Jesus is no longer physically on earth, but we are And we are here with his spirit to continue his mission. And we are out just like our Lord and Savior. We are out seeking the lost so that we can tell them about the one who died to save them. So friends, next time we come together, we're going to begin an examination of 1 and 2 Thessalonians. But for now, take up and read. God bless.